Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. Oh, there's lights. There we go. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to see everyone here this morning. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, I can't see you, but I'm glad you're joining here as well. For those in the auditorium, would you please stand as you worship this morning?
We're so glad you're here with us today. Would you turn to your neighbor? Just say hello this morning. God has filled this place with people that love him and want to learn about him and praise him because he is the giver of life and the giver of love. And that's what brings us together is God's love this morning. So glad you're here worshiping with us today. Thank you. 
thank our great God this morning. Great are you, Lord. You may be seated, please. Just, uh, just want to thank God for his greatness. Amen? God is so good. And I, I want to thank you, all the people that were here that were a part of Refuel this week and our praise band. You know, our praise band was the lead. Uh, they led us in worship for the uh, Refuel conference here. We had about 200 people from all over the tri-state area here. Took a Tuesday off to come and worship and to be refueled. Would you thank God for our, our Crossroads band? Man, we thank God for you guys, man. They lit it up. It's exciting. They, uh, they did all this work. And then Charles Bellingsley, who you saw at the concert for Christmas, he came in and he just warmed up with them and he went right at it. So I'm so proud of our, of our, of our band here this morning. And I just want to welcome everyone here today. If you are here and this is your first time, I want to say welcome. That We're glad that you're here. Please stop our welcome center in the foyer. We have a gift just to say thank you for coming. And uh, just to give you a little bit more, uh, help us get acquainted with you here at Crossroads. So please stop by the welcome center today after the service. Just a few announcements. Our 21 days of prayer. I think we're on day 15 on 21 days of prayer. If you took the 21 days of prayer book and you say, well, I haven't made it quite every day. I want to encourage you to just pick up. Continue on where you're at. Today was a wonderful day. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But if you'd like to still be a part of that texting group, you haven't signed up yet, you can send, uh, send this CR 21 days to that number there, 94,000. And that will put you on a daily encouragement that we send out throughout the 21 days of prayer. I hope that you've been encouraged as we walk the journey together here. And then uh, today after our 11 o'clock service, we're going to be having... Our membership class today. This is our uh, Next Steps Class 101. If you're new to Crossroads or if you're not new to Crossroads, this is for those that uh, are saying, yes, I want to make Crossroads my church family. This is, uh, this is the place that I worship. Now I want to make this my family. So we want to encourage you, come on down to that class. That'll be right after the 12 o'clock service today. I know we have, I think, about 15 people signed up already for that class. We'll have lunch down there, and it will last to about almost 2 o'clock today. I'll be leading that, and so it's going to be a great day. I want to encourage you. God is moving in our church, isn't he? Uh, when, you know, when God is the central focus, when the church is focused on Christ, his word, and helping believers grow and reaching the lost, that's when God grows the church, and God is doing his work in this place. So let's thank our great God this morning for what he's doing at Crossroads Ministries. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God has used your giving in so many ways. I want to thank you as you give through the offering boxes on the wall. We have one in the auditorium, one in the foyer. Um, as you also give online or through the mail. God has been blessing the church, and we're able to continue the ministry that God's called here at Crossroads. And we are just seeing people. We're seeing fruit down the road. Like, you know, you plant seeds several months ago. We're seeing fruit from the seeds that were planted several months ago. And people are coming in. They're growing and walking in their faith. And we're so excited about that. And I want to share with you the birthday gift of Jesus because this will be the last Sunday that, uh, that the funds that we receive will count towards this year's goal. But uh, we have an update. We have hit 131000 so far that has been received for those missionaries. So, man, a day. And so the first 100000 we set the goal at 100000 that 100000 has already gone out. Those checks are already in the missionaries' hands. I'm getting thank you notes from missionaries already. They're thanking us for what God is doing here at Crossroads to be able to encourage them through these gifts. So the extra hundred, the extra 31000 those checks will start to go out here in the next week. And so um, if you continue to give to that today... 
please mark your birthday gift to Jesus, and we will send that on out. If you start to give in February, that will go towards the next year's birthday gift to Jesus, okay? So we want to encourage you. Some people said, well, I like to give just a little bit every, every month all year. And so you can do that as well, and then, uh, then we will uh, be sending that all to the mission. So what a privilege, isn't it? I, the Lord says it's more blessed to give than receive, and I think when you see that birthday gift to Jesus, you see that, right? We're excited to feed those orphans in Haiti, those orphans in the Philippines. We're excited to bless those missionaries, to pay mortgages on churches, to pay rent for families, and just uh, what God is doing all around the globe. So it's our joy and our privilege to, to be a part of his greater work. So let's stand together as we continue our worship time, man. I am just so excited. That song, Great Are You, Lord. I think I could sing that all day long. I think sometimes I do sing it all day long, don't I? My, uh, my family will tell you what I'm singing because it's definitely not in the right key. I need them to help me, right? But let's worship our God. And I tell you what, as we continue this morning, I want to just ask you, just, just come before the Lord. And this is a time where we say, God, remove Remove what's keeping me away from you this morning. And and let's just truly worship him. Like, don't worry about the person sitting next to you this morning. Don't worry about anything else but God. And let's tune our hearts into his grace this morning. And as we tune our hearts into his grace, and we sing this next song that is just going to edify and lift him up, I want to encourage you to edify and lift him up with your voice, with your heart, with your hands. And let's just praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords this morning. Amen. He is so great. Father God, we come before you. God, I'm honored to be a child of the Most High God. Lord, I'm honored to to shepherd your people, Lord. You are the good shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd. God, I'm honored to be here and to point these people towards you this morning. God, as we open up, would you let us just see a little glimpse of your glory this morning, God? The holiness, the majesty, the wonder, the greatness of who you are. God, as we sing this song, would you move in a mighty way now, Lord, in a powerful way. Lead through our musicians, Lord, as our musicians play these notes and sing these notes to you. Would they lead this congregation to the throne room of God Almighty? God, we've come this morning. We're going to give you our offerings. We are so thank you, Lord, for our gifts that we can give. You've provided everything we have. And, Lord, as we come and we we give those offerings to you, Lord, we say bless your name. We give these because you are worthy. And, Lord, as we all collectively now give more than just a finance, we give of our heart, our soul. We give our worship to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, Lord, be praised as your people. Praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray.
All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all, and the angels cry, Holy, all creation Oh, you are lifting high. 
we've been talking about habits, habits that are going to change your life. We want to develop good habits. You know, I think you've been beat up about bad habits, haven't you? And I think most of the time you hear all about bad habits and how bad habits will destroy you. And there's so much truth to that. Bad habits will destroy. But when we start to see what God has for our life and we plug in these good habits, there are good things that God has called us to do. And what we want to do through this series and what we want to do here at Crossroads is we want to help you enjoy the Christian life. We want you to live the Christian life to the fullest and get to enjoy who God is. I think it was Charles Duhigg said this. He said, you are who you are as a result of the commitments that you make and the habits that you develop. And so when you think about it, we all develop a habit, right? You develop some bad habits. Oh, it's just a little thing. Well, that little thing becomes a big thing and it begins to be a harmful thing. Uh, But it was just a little thing. Well, the same is true with a good habit. Some habits are bad, some habits are good, and when we take the good habits and we develop this little thing, well, that little thing, you don't realize it really pays off and has big dividends because you started a good habit in your life. So uh, I'm reminded this morning of of an old farmer down in Texas. The highest producing oil well ever was, uh, was down at Spindletop down in Texas in the, in the late 1800s. Actually, it was 1901 is uh, whenever Spindletop took place. Uh, the owner was a farmer. He was broke. He was not the best at farming. He had a struggle. As a matter of fact, he wanted to quit farming. He wanted to get out of farming, but he had this great land. And the, uh, the, the part of the land that he had you, it was, had a bunch of trees on the top, and so therefore they called it Spindletop. One of the developers, one of the oil people called Spindletop. So one day he's out farming, and he's just ready to throw in the towel. He's ready to quit, and all of a sudden overcomes a, uh, an oil man. He walks onto his field. Isn't that a great day when the oil man walks onto your field, right? So the oil man walked onto his field, but remember, this is in 1901. He says, there's oil here. Will you let us drill for the oil? It won't cost you anything. As a matter of fact, we'll just share the profits with you. And on January the 10th, 1901, I'll put this picture up here. January the 10th, 1901, a well at Spindletop spindle struck oil. It came in. As a matter of fact, the uh, Spindletop, if you go and read about Spindletop, you'll see that they were drilling, and uh, they got down, I think it was about 1,000 feet, and just as they had gotten down to the 1,000 feet, they were getting ready to change the drill bit. And so as they were changing the drill bit, all of a sudden the earth started to shake, and this geyser come off, this gush come out. Spindletop gusher blew for, at, for nine days at a rate, estimated rate of 100,000 barrels a day. I mean, could you imagine? They struck it. I mean, they struck it. And and this old farmer struck it, didn't he? This old farmer immediately becomes a millionaire. I mean, right off the bat, he's a millionaire. But what I want you to understand was that he was actually a multimillionaire. But he had been a, uh, he had all the resources all along. And he was actually a multimillionaire before they ever drilled. He just didn't know it. He had all the resources that were beneath the surface. Everything was there, and all he needed was somebody to come in and, and, and find it, help him get it, and, and get down to the oil, get down to what was really important to him. And so, uh, you know, he didn't know what oil would, would mean. He didn't understand all this. He's just an old farmer. Man, I think a lot, we're hearing stories like this today with Marcellus Shell, aren't we? People that, uh, that have lived all their life are all of a sudden saying, man, wow, look, what a blessing. And... Uh, you know, here's what it is. Beneath the surface, you have all that, you know. Um, I'll never forget my, my in-laws had some land. And uh, it was from somebody in their family, you know, like uh, Ronda's uh, grandmother. And they, they went and sold it. 
And then shortly after that, they came in, all the, all the oil guys and the gas, gas men started coming on the land. And I was like, if only we would have held on to that. You know, and you can't live your life if only, right? Uh, because that's not the way to live. But here's what happened. This man, Spindletop, they, they went down and they go there on, in that land. You go and you, you look it up and you can research it. They have a museum down there today. The next picture here is from a year later. Look at all the oil wells that they just kept drilling. And, and I'll tell you what, that's uh, 1902, October 6, 1902. And uh, it's just an amazing thing that happened. And so what I want you to think about is in your Christian life, though. You have all the resources that you need. You just many times aren't knowing how to tap into it. Like, like we have everything that we need. You just don't know how to tap into it. Ephesians 1.3 says this, and this is how I know that we have all, everything that we need. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Man, we're, we come and we get to praise God because he has given us every spiritual... Look, it says every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have this inheritance... You have something that's beneath the surface that you didn't even realize. And many times we're looking and we're living like, oh, I don't think I can make it. I mean, this farmer was ready to just give it in. Probably if somebody would have come and offered him some money for his land, he might have, he might have just taken that. But instead he ends up getting this multi-million dollar deal, right? And I want you to think about your spiritual life. Because as you're following Jesus Christ, you have the God of the universe. And he wants to do something in your life. He wants to accomplish his will in your life. And as he's accomplishing his will in your life, here he says right here, we have every spiritual blessing that comes from Jesus Christ. So that's why we're going over these habits. Because I want to help you to access that. I want to help you to, to live like a believer. I want to help you to live a victorious Christian life. John 10.10, Jesus didn't come and say, well, I've come that they can barely make it. I've come so that they can struggle and try to follow a bunch of rules the rest of their life. No, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. Jesus is not in the business of you trying harder and becoming a better person. Jesus is in the business of taking dead people and making them alive. And that's what he does. That's who he is. So today, I want to encourage you. We've gone through the habits. I've given you a little acrostic. If you're following along on the back of your notes, you'll see uh, the fill in the blanks there. Hang out in the presence of Christ. That's what we've been talking about. We took two weeks and looked there. How can I hang out in the presence of Christ? Well, one, you get a a time alone with him. You, You pray, and then you read his word. And so we start there. Pray and read the Word of the Lord. Pray and read. Pray and read. And as you begin to pray and read the Word, God all of a sudden continues to move in your life, and you find this peace with the Lord. You begin to develop this, this connection with the Lord. And so that's the very first part is you have to hang out in the presence of Christ. Secondly is accountability. We talked about that last week, accountability. You want to be accountable with another believer. I talked a little bit about my breakfast meeting. I have my little breakfast club. That's just accountability. We don't sit there and go through a bunch of any formality, but it's an accountability check-in. We're encouraging each other. We're encouraging one another as we see the day approaching, as the Scripture says. I want to encourage you to find somebody that you can be accountable with, somebody that you feel comfortable to share with, somebody that you can learn. Listen, it takes a while. I don't find that easy at first. I think it takes a while for you to be able to find comfort, be able to find someone to be comfortable with, to be honest with. 
And honesty is the best thing for you. And as you're honest, man, somebody can come along and speak into your life and say, hey, let's bring it back to Christ. Let's bring this back to Christ. Well, today we're going to move on to this here. Is, uh, the, the scripture here is on Bible memorization today. Bible memory. And whenever I say Bible memorization or Bible memory, you go, oh. Oh, because it's a scary thought, isn't it? Well, listen, I'm not asking you to memorize the entire Bible. I'm asking you to begin to put God's Word and hide His Word in your heart and in your life. And as you begin to hide His Word in your life, God will make the difference. Look here at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua 1, 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. We just briefly touched on this verse a few weeks ago. I want to explain a little bit more here. It says, to meditate on God's word day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then he continues. He says this, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So let's go to the beginning of that verse there. We'll go back to the first slide there. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. Meditation. When we think of this word meditation, we have all different things that come into our mind. You typically think of somebody sitting in yoga pants and going, ooh. And I want you to know, for the good of the general public, I don't wear yoga pants. (laughs) Or go, ooh. But I do want you to know what he's talking about. That's a, yeah, forgive me for that picture, right? (laughs) Um. I could make a lot of money with that one, Wally, couldn't I? Yeah. Listen, meditation is this. Meditation is the repetitious going over a matter in one's mind because it's the chief concern. So I'm now coming. I'm going to meditate on God's Word because it's the chief concern. See, when you're meditating, you forget everything else, and you're thinking about this. You're thinking about this Scripture. He says this book of the law, what he was referring to was the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He's referring to the Torah, as you might know. And he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, thanks be to God, we have the entire Bible today. This is what's really exciting. We have, we have the news of Jesus. We have Jesus conquered death so that I might live. And so I get to meditate on the fact that Jesus rose from the grave and that he conquered death, therefore I can live. And when bad things are coming into your life, and they are coming into our lives, we have to deal with them. What we do is I meditate not on the bad things, but I meditate on God. Um, he says that meditation is, the re- uh, meditation is the repetitious going over of a matter in one's mind, the constant recollection of God's past deeds by the hearing of Scripture, and the repetition of thought produces confidence in God. So here's what happens. It, when you begin to memorize, you place something in your heart and you memorize it, um, you get to have this confidence in God. Now, Joshua was, was going to be a military leader. As you look at this, Joshua's plan, Joshua had to go in. He, he, he followed this great servant, Moses. Moses was, was the greatest leader ever to live. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the desert, and for 40 years he had a growing group of people. 
They kept having babies out there. They had, the next generation, he had a whole generational change under his leadership. And they're intense. They've got their livestock. They're waiting on God to send them food every day. And they're, they're, he's leading them through the desert. And if you get a Bible map, you would see that it really wasn't that far that they were wandering. They had to come along the same place twice every now and then in their mind. And so they're, they're just kind of wandering through this little area here. Uh, kind of, you know, it's not like even from going from here to California. It's just a small, small area that they kept wandering in the desert. Moses died. God says, my servant Moses is dead. Joshua, I'm going to do something new. Joshua, we're going to take the land. Joshua, you my friend, Joshua, you get to be the leader, and you get to go, and you get to conquer the land. You get to go into the promised land that I have promised. I have told these people for generations it's coming. Joshua, this is now your time. And so as a military leader, what, you know, what goes through your mind? Okay, we've got to get the military up. We've got to figure this thing out. How are we going to go in and conquer the enemy? And God says, this is how you do it right here. Joshua, don't let this Law, don't let my word depart from you. Keep it on your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do what is written in it. Now, listen, he gave us success here. He, the next page there, he talks about this. The next verse, he said, I'm sorry, the second half of the verse, he says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. But if you go back to the first part again there, he says, meditate on it so that you be careful to do it. He talks about obeying the Lord. And here's what happens in Christianity many times. You come and you hear something and you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to obey it. And then you forget the meditating on God's word. And you try to obey and you, and you get frustrated because you end up being angry. And, and those bad habits that you want to quit, you can't quit them because you're meditating on trying to quit. Instead of meditating on God and his power and his might and meditating on the, the past victories that God gave and, and getting to see who he is. Instead of, instead of seeing what God wants to do right now, you, you know, in, instead of looking and seeing how God can do it, you're trying to do it on your own and you jump to that. So the equation for success right here is to meditate on God's word day and night. If you try to do the Christian life without doing it with God and meditating on his word, you will fail. Listen, we fail enough as it is. Go out and try to, try to change. You can't change. You've got it. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do we renew our minds? When we meditate on Scripture. Uh, let, let me tell you what most people do. Things come into their life and they, they meditate on worry. Oh, this shouldn't happen. How's it, what, what does this happen? What does this happen? What is it? And guess what happens? We become double-minded to Scripture meditate on his word day and night and so when we meditate on his word day and night obedience is a whole lot more natural it's just a lot easier to obey now you obey the lord because it's in your heart and it's in your mind it's in your soul uh the structure of the verse has meditate first he wants you to think about it he wants you to remuniate it he wants you to ponder his promises and uh, obedience will be natural it will be just about natural after you have meditated on his word day and night. Hmm. You know, today we have the same formula for success is to obey by meditating on the Lord. I think many well-meaning parents have beat up their kids through the years trying to make them obey. 
And what we have to do is we have to roll back a step and teach them their mind and their heart first. I, I, I have been one of those parents at times forgot that. And I just wanted them to obey because I wanted the best in their life. It wasn't because I was an ogre. It's because as dad, I know that, man, these things are going to harm them if they walk that way. But I'll tell you, the way that you transform that is not by putting outward pressure, but by transformation from the inside. So I want to encourage you parents, teach your kids the word of God. Teach it from a young age. Teach it to them regularly. And the scripture says here, if you will meditate on God's word, you will then begin to obey. And then, look what he says, you will make your way prosperous. And please never, never interpret the word prosperous in the the Bible as your definition of prosperous, as in Powerball prosperous, right? That's what, and you know, when you say that, you say, man, I'm going to get a million dollars. I'll get a billion dollars. I'll go play this and I'll win. No, that's not what God's saying. He's saying, if you obey me, you'll be prosperous in the glory of God. I love the, uh, the uh, 21 days of prayer this morning. It's so powerful. If God is sovereign, all we see is the glory of God. And you see, when we understand that we trust that he's sovereign, then as the battles are coming, I'm only seeing the glory of God. And the glory of God changes the light on everything, even the things that we cannot comprehend. He says, then you will make your way prosperous and and you will have success. You know, there's a spiritual responsibility for every believer. He says, you. This is your responsibility. If you will let... You know, let the word of the Lord into your heart, meditate on it day and night, and do what it says, then you will be prosperous, and you will have success. Well, the Lord is the one who fights the battle. We can't do it without his strength. We can't do it without his power. And so today, you're fighting a battle. You're not a military leader. Sometimes you feel like it at home a little bit, don't you? But uh, you're not a military leader. You're just trying to, You're just trying to live and follow his word. But there is a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle for your soul. There's a spiritual battle for your heart, for your mind, for your kids. To see if you'll be here in a month. To see if you'll continue to follow Christ for a lifetime. Listen, the Satan wants to come and discourage you. He wants to trip you up. He wants to bring everything else. And here's what happens. When everything else comes into our mind and we meditate on everything else that is away from God or things that we can't even comprehend, man, we, we place our thoughts over there. God says, no, 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 no. Place your thoughts on me and meditate on this day and night. The book of James gives us a prescription, similar prescription. James 1.25 says this, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, I think we have that there, James 1.25. I might have jumped a little bit there. I'm sorry, I'll go to Proverbs. We'll go to Proverbs. I'll, I'll stay on track back there. I surrender. Look here at Proverbs 7. It says, Obey me. Keep my commands and live. And my laws as the apple of your eye. Find them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart. He's talking about the apple of your eye. You know, uh, in ancient culture, they would look at the eye, and they thought the pupil looked like an apple. He says, keep your commands right there, dead center of your life. And keep it as the sweetest part of your life. Man, there's something good about an apple, isn't there? Apple day keeps the doctor away. You heard that statement? I went up to visit Pastor Josh Watts on Wednesday night. They had a, a prayer service. 
He asked me to come and say a few words at their prayer service. So I drove up there an hour and a half to City Church, Newcastle, and we had a great time. And afterwards, there's a, one of the guys up there, he owns a, an apple orchard. He owns the apple castle up there in Newcastle. And, and much to my surprise, here it is, the dead of winter, and what was he eating but an apple? This is after church, and his kids are all eating apples. I was like, oh, that must be the guy who owns the apple farm. I guess orchard, right? Not a farm. But listen, and they're all eating these apples. And I just thought, you know what? There's something about an apple that's so sweet, isn't it? It's just wonderful. I, I went down here to the Stone Church Farm, uh, and they were having apple cider donuts, and that was the hook that got me in the door. I couldn't believe it, man. It was like the last of October, early November. I was like, apple cider donuts. And I walked out of there with a donut, but I also walked out with a bunch of apples. And they were the best tasting apples I've ever had. I mean, I'm just, man, there's something about an apple. You know, you don't walk around with broccoli and say, oh, this is so wonderful. You walk around with apples and say, man, I'll take another one. Uh, and here's what it is. He says, keep my commands and live. My law as the sweet spot of your life, as the dead center. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. James 1.25 says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. You want to be blessed in what you do. Here's the prescription for success. Here's the prescription for blessing. God's blessing. Now look here. Here's what he says. Number one, read your Bible. I'm going to give that to you. He says, but the man who looks intently, read your Bible. In the, uh, in the, in the day that uh, Jesus was here and when the Bible was written, I want you to remember that the Old Testament, nobody had a copy. Nobody went out and walked with it under their arm. You had to go to the synagogue, and the, and the rabbi would stand and read from the scroll. As a matter of fact, Jesus went in to the, to the synagogue, and he opened up, and he read from the scroll. And he read it to the people. Actually, he was up, and he quoted from the scroll. And they were amazed. They were amazed at what he knew. Uh, read the Bible. Whoever looks intently. I want to encourage you. Thanks be to God. Today we have the written, complete word of God. Man, this is so powerful. You have everything that you need right here. It's all in here. I have a shelf filled with these Bibles in my office. It's amazing. I, I have an app that has over 100 translations, English translations of the Bible. Uh, the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so, so what we have this, off, uh, this incredible opportunity is to take and read it in English. And God has given us these translations. So there's a, there's a number of translations that I use, about four or five of them, that I think are very reputable. And, uh, and as we use them, we stay and we look intently. What does God have for us? I want to encourage you to, to not take it for granted, but to read it, to, to get into it. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. The Word of God is going to give you freedom. Remember that when you do what God says, there's freedom. This is, the, this is the struggle. My heart says this, but God's Word says this. Surrender to what God's Word says, and you'll find freedom. There's no freedom apart from Christ. There's no freedom apart from His law, from His Word. 
Whoever looks intently at the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this. That means to review the Bible. Like, like to take it and, and keep going over it and go over it. It's not like, hey, I read the Bible once and I'm done. I remember the first time I read the Bible through, I was about 19 years old. I read it through in one year, maybe 18 years old. I was so excited about that. But I have to keep reviewing it. I have to keep taking it over and, and, and chewing it up and, and keep remembering what it says. And then he says, not forgetting what he has heard. This means to remember the Bible. Always remember what God says. And that's why scripture memory is so important. As you come and you begin to take a verse and you memorize it and you place it into your heart. Um, he says to respond to the Bible, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. Do it. So, so this is, again, we all jump to the doing. We look and say, man, I've got to clean up my life. No, 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 no. You've got to find what God wants. You've got to hang in there, continue in it. You've got to not forget it. You've got to hide it in your heart. And then God will give you the victory over sin as you go out and you do it. Whenever we know God's word and we walk away from it, we, we, uh, we, we're the ones who are hurting. But God says to take it in and let it transform you. I want to encourage you. What have you committed to memory? I think a lot of people have committed many things to memory. And uh, when it comes to memorizing God's word, quite often people tell me, well, I just can't do that. Well, that's for the kids. I, I, uh, every now and then when I get talking with our youth pastor, I said, why do we stop that at fifth grade? Let's not stop Bible memory. Let, let's teach this for a lifetime. As a kid, somebody came in and they, they gave me the scriptures, and that, that began to transform my life. As an adult, I want to ask you, what, what, is, it that is, what, what is it that you remember? And uh, what, what verse of scripture have you got in your head that's running over in your mind? I'll tell you, you remember things. You, you say you have a hard memory, but I'll tell you, pretty much everybody in this room remembers a certain Steelers game when we beat the Browns. And we were waiting to get into the playoffs just a few weeks ago, right? And as you're watching that, that, that game where we're beating the Browns, thank you, Lord, where we're beating Cleveland, I know my Cleveland fans in here, as we were waiting and you heard on the little ticker that come across the bottom that Miami just kicked a field goal with three seconds left. And Miami won. You remember that. Many of you will remember stats on sports players. Many of you are into music. You remember songs. I mean, my wife knows every song on the radio. How in the world do you do that? Like, I'm, I'm, I know, like, the ones I know. <laughs> she knows every country song. I don't know how. She, yeah, I, I get in the car. I can tell she had the car last because it's on the country station. When you get in, it's on K-Love for me. Because I don't know all the country music songs. I think they're all the same anyhow, right? I lost my wife, lost my dog, but they all came back. <laughs> so, anyhow, sorry for that. You didn't come for that today, right? I'm more into rap. No, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, Psalm 119, verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's why you do it. You hide it into your heart. And so in order for it to get into your heart, it has to go into your head first. The goal is not about how many. It's about how close. The goal is to draw close to God. And as you draw close to God, look what the Scripture says here. The Scripture says draw close to God and He will draw close to you. 
Draw near to God. As you draw near to God, now here, look, now check this out. The God of the universe, when you take a step, listen, God took the first step. He came and he died on the cross. He paid for your sin once for all forever, and he gave eternal life. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's your first step. And when you draw close to God, God of the universe takes another step to draw you closer to himself. And so this morning you're here, you're, you're attempting to draw close to God. I want to applaud that. That's a step. And God says, I'm going to listen. I'm watching. This is a priority in their life. They could be anywhere else today. But they made this. When you get down and you pray in the morning and you seek the Lord, God knows that you're running late for work. God knows you had to get up a little bit earlier to do that. God knows whatever the sacrifice was. And he says, I am going to see Ah, my child wants to know a little bit more about me. I'm going to reveal a little bit more to my child. It's like your own child. When, you're, you know, when your child begins to ask questions, do you ever notice that? They, 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 you tend to have more of a discussion whenever they're engaged. And that's what God wants from us. Here's what will happen. When you keep God's word deep within your heart, when you hide his word deep in your, within your heart, he will give you freedom. Okay? I'm sorry, he will give you wisdom. He will give you wisdom. Now check that out. The, he gives wisdom. When you, when you open his word and you take a verse and you hide it in your heart. So I want to encourage you. Uh, there's a number of verses that I'm taking right now and I'm hiding them in my heart. And as I do, it changes your life. It says he will give you wisdom. Colossians 3.16. Let the words of Christ, all right? Let the words of Christ, Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, the next, pat, next, next slide here. It says this, Let the words of Christ in all their riches, richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and to counsel each other. Sing hymns, sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Boy, isn't that powerful? You need the wisdom of God, and you won't get it without the words of Christ. Let them dwell in you richly. Let them give you the wisdom for life. And then he says, use his words to teach and to counsel each other. Do you notice how much we need to encourage each other in the word? I think just about every conflict I've ever seen inside the body of Christ or outside the body of Christ has always been about two different people trying to have their right way, and God has very little to do with it. He says, if you'll let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, then you'll be able to do this. Then you'll be able to be wise. Then whenever you have conflicts, you can deal with it. And sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to the Lord with thankful hearts. Far cry from country music. Sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Listen, man, rejoice to the Lord. Rejoice to the Lord. He will also feed your soul. Uh, not only will he give you wisdom whenever you hide God's word in your heart, he will feed your soul. I want you to catch this this morning. He will feed your soul. Um, he will grow you. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says this. When the words came, when your words came, I ate them. They were joy. Uh, they were my joy and my heart's delight for, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. 
Man, that's a powerful thing. He says, when, when I came before you and I heard your words, I ate them. Now, that's a beautiful picture. He's not talking about devouring a piece of paper. He says, man, I put your words and I ate them. And, and you know what? I want you to think about this because the Lord is going to come and he's going to give you all that you need in his word. When you were a little kid, your mom came and fed you. Opened up a little jar of Gerber baby food. Remember that little, you heard that click open? And that was the last time I had peas was when my mom gave it to me. She put that in your mouth and you're like, and you got it all over the place. Your mom fed you and you said, man, I'm so happy. Then on your first birthday, your mom cut that piece of cake and it's on the video food everywhere. Your mom feeds you and you ate them. He says that's what it is with the word of the Lord. When you come to the word of the Lord, you eat it like like that little baby and you start eating it. And as you keep eating, man, pretty soon you'll get on to the steak. And that's what God does. That's what we're talking about, Christian growth here. Thirdly, he will strengthen you. The Lord will strengthen you. When you keep God's word deep in your heart, he will strengthen you. So he, he will feed your soul and then he will strengthen you. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. I'm going to put just a few verses surrounding verse 11 there. He says, How can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in in my heart that I might not sin against you. In order to have the promises of God, we have to have the strength of the Lord. So he strengthens us. How do I stay pure? By hiding his word in my heart. Please don't try to go to this morals or whatever you're trying to accomplish without the Lord. You'll, you'll be failing. You'll be miserable. You'll be upset with everybody around you. Come to the Lord and meditate on him day and night. You know, Jesus gave us this ultimate. He gave us this ultimate in the word here. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, we see how Jesus went out into the desert and he was tempted and he combated temptation folks the number one way that you combat temptation is to memorize scripture to place it into your heart matthew 4 beginning in verse 1 then jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry during the time that the devil came, during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, Man shall live by bread, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And what Jesus did there, he went and he quoted from the book of the law, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, and then Satan tries to throw Scripture at him, says he will wander, uh, he he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responds to him. The Scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.16 there. You see, he's combating Satan with the word of God. 
Verse 8, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. Oh, I love that, don't you? Get out. That's one to memorize. Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, and memorize the whole verse, just not that first line, because it means nothing without the scripture. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.13. Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. The devil went away. The devil went away. The devil went away. And the angels came. The angels came. You see that? When you memorize God's word and you plug it into your life and you follow through and you fight the devil with, his, with God's word, the devil goes away. Some of you are plagued by many of the things that Satan has done. Let me tell you, the world, the flesh, the devil, they're all conquered through the word of God. Right now, I've got a few things that I'm memorizing. I'm working on a couple of these here today. This morning, I, in our reading, the Psalm 109, verse 4, says, In return for my friendship, they accuse me, but I am a man of prayer. I, I'm, I'm committing that to memory. I like God. It's in our devotion. You all read it this morning. And, and, or you'll read it today. You'll read it in the next few days. I, I'm saying, God, I need to remember that verse. I'm working on Psalm 59, verse 1 right now. Psalm 59, verse 1 says this. said that surely the hand of the Lord is not too short to save, and his ear is not too dull to hear. And you know what I'm doing? I'm just going to, like, read that over and over and over until I get it. Years ago, somebody gave me these little cards, and, and on them is, these are Bible verses. So I have these here for you today to take. On your way out, if you'll stop by the, the resource table where all the Bibles are at over there, I have two different verse packs. Each one of them has have eight. And you can just start with this. And here's what you do. You take the verse pack. This one's on peace and anxiety. Uh, there's a verse in here that changed my life. I, I hate flying. If you, if you go on a mission trip with me, you'll know that I'm pretty quiet until I get off the plane. That's not my favorite place to be is on a plane. Uh, you know, I don't like the takeoff. I don't like the turbulence. I don't like the landing. I like getting off the plane. And uh, there was a, I remember one time I flew on a plane, I was coming back to Pittsburgh, and it was back when the air traffic controllers went down. And the air traffic controllers went down, and we were circling around Pittsburgh for like an hour. Uh, Let me tell you, I was turning three shades of everything. And, And then God gave me this verse, and it's in your verse pack. Isaiah 26.3 says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So when I fly to Ecuador, I quote that verse over and over. And whenever I have situations that are really hard, appointments I don't want to have, places that I don't want to go, I quote that. The Lord will keep in perfect peace him whose mind, whose heart is stayed on me. And that's what God does. God transforms. And, and so I want to encourage you. These little verses, you take them. They're, they're in, the, in, the pack, in the basket out there on the table. And there's eight of them. And all you do is you take it and you just read it. And you keep reading it. And you keep reading it. And pretty soon you'll have it memorized just like the Steelers beating the Browns. And you'll memorize that. 
and you'll memorize it, and, and you'll have that committed to memory. And, and here's why. And, and, and I have one pack for peace and anxiety, and there's another pack for identity in Christ. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll never realize all that's here, all that's available. You'll never realize all that's available. You'll never understand. You'll never dig deep enough. You are a multimillionaire spiritually, and you're living like I can't, like I got to fight this battle on my own. And God says, I don't want you fighting anything on your own. I want you following me. I want you to let me fight the battle. And that's how you do it is through memorizing his word. As I close this morning, the scripture over in Deuteronomy, we're going to read this verse here. I'm sorry, in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 15. Do we have that? It's at the end. I'm jumping. I had three sermons in there, I think. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. I asked Jeff Berg. Jeff and Arlene are, are uh, a minister in the Jewish community of Pittsburgh here with Friends of Israel. I asked him, I said, I know that you have one of these. And he was explaining to me this is a prayer shawl from a very good friend of his. And they would actually put this around them to pray, right? And uh, at the end here are those tassels. Now, they have all these phrases that they added on. He told me there were 613 for the laws, for all the laws. God didn't tell them to put all this on. God said, put this on. And so this, uh, they, they put, the, put this on and they have the tassel and it reminds them of who God is and reminds them to follow the Lord instead of following their own desires and defiling themselves. I don't think that God's desire for us today is to, to wear a tassel. I, I have a couple pictures up here. There's, there's, you know, this is a big movement out there in the Jewish community, obviously. There's the blue and the white. And then the next one, I just have kind of a headshot, how somebody would wear an undergarment with all the tassels on them. Listen, folks, we're under the grace of God today. Amen? So God is not, we don't have the eating laws of the Old Testament. We don't have the laws of, of putting a cord on your clothing. But we do have, hide his word in your heart, that you might not sin against him. The New Testament follows up. James followed up well. He says, I want you to read it. I want you to review it. I want you to remember it. And I want you to respond to it. So, folks, as you leave today, I want to encourage you to meditate not on worry, not meditate on what you can or cannot do, but meditate on his word day and night. Stop by, grab a couple of these verse packs, take them home, and begin the journey. Watch what God will do. Just memorize one verse a week. You can do it. You can do it. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, as we prepare to sing our closing song today, as we get ready to worship him, would you just thank him for who he is? Would you thank him for what he's done and how that he has conquered death? Because Jesus conquered death, you too can conquer the things of this world. And one day we'll be with him face to face in eternity. But right now, there's some hard things that you are dealing with. I know I've been dealing with them too. And God says, don't meditate on the hard things. Don't meditate on the bad things. Don't meditate on the brokenness of this world. Don't meditate on the fallenness of sin. Don't meditate on your own brokenness. But meditate on God day and night. And do what he says. 
You will make your way prosperous. You will be successful. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe, maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor Ken, I need to trust Christ. If you, if you haven't started there, Jesus died on the cross. He says it's already been done. There's nothing that you can do to gain his favor. He says it's already done. He says, trust me. So this morning, if you would just pray and trust him, this will be the beginning of your relationship with him. Just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I come before you, and I trust you right now with my heart, in my heart and soul as my Savior. Jesus, you died on the cross. You were buried. You rose again. I invite you into my life right now. And for all of us this morning, I want to encourage us to, to, to follow through in obedience. It doesn't start at obedience. It starts with God. Follow the prescription in the word and let God do his work. Father, I pray you'll transform us, God. Take this simple little habit, this simple little tool, and transform us for eternity because of your power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing chorus.
away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky I'm drifting off in the deep of the valley your presence surrounds me the crickets sing and trees ring and I want to let you know I don't think my job is to understand why. I think all that I'm supposed to do 